Awesome. Or you can just buy um, a Hershey's pie at Walmart and enter it, and you'll get most of my family's vote. That's our favorite, is cheapo Hershey pie from Walmart. Um, what's that? They're so good. Oh, it could win. It'll win here if I'm the voter. Done. Sold. I'll buy one. All right. Let's, let's pray, and we're going to get into the Word today. Father, thank you for, God, that your Word is our counsel, that it gives us direction. Lord, it's a lamp to our feet, a light to our path. Lord, that it is uh, what we need to live this life, Lord, in the way that you want us to live it and to uh, have, Lord, the abundant life that you've called us to, Lord, internally and externally. Lord, we thank you for it. I pray it falls on good soil. Lord, help us to learn something today that we can actually take and apply and do, Father, that we could be doers of the word and not just hearers. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, um, today we're talking about how is your soul? How is your soul? And I don't mean like your dance moves or how you groove and the music's going, uh, but how is your soul? And this is a question that was brought up. Uh, we had a couple of people go on a kind of a ministry refreshment retreat, and uh, they were asked that question at the beginning. There's a bunch of pastors and leaders around, and everybody sat down, and they did their thing, and uh, a little bit of worship, and get excited, and everybody's happy. And then when everybody sat down, he said, I have one question to start off, and he says, how is your soul? And kind of the whole room just kind of like went quiet for a minute because we get so busy doing sometimes that we don't always stop and really reflect, like, how is it inside, right? How am I actually doing? So to look at this question, I first want to ask uh, for you to think about what is your soul? Like, what is it? Before we just, oh, I know how it is. What actually is your soul? And it's not your mind. We know that biblically, uh, Psalms 42, 11, We know that your soul is not just your mind and your thoughts because David uses his mind and his thoughts to think about his soul and then to actually talk to his own soul and communicate with it, which so is uh, kind of shed some light on the fact that it's not just how we think. It says here in Psalms 42, 11, Why, my soul, are you downcast? So he's speaking to something else besides his intellect. He's speaking to something else going on within him. And he says, why are you downcast? Why are you weighed down? Why are you not happy? Why are you not up for the party? Why aren't you excited? Like, what's going on? Have you ever had emotions where you are feeling them and in your head you're thinking, I don't want to feel this way? Anybody? And you're like, I feel this way. I don't want to feel this way. I'm anxious, I'm angry, I'm depressed, I'm, I'm lonely, I'm isolated, I'm uh, under condemnation or shame, like I got something going on, and mentally I know I shouldn't be and I don't want to live this, but yet internally this is what's happening. Anybody felt that way before? Okay, I felt that way before. And you're in your head, you go, okay, well, I know the right things, and you go talk to somebody, and you say, hey, this is how I'm feeling, and you know what they do? They most often speak to your head. Right? Well, rejoice in the Lord always. Or they tell you something to your head, like, you know, there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus, and they're speaking to your head, and your mind is hearing it, and you're saying, I've got that. I already know that information, but you know what? It's not getting here. There's something else that's not happening. Oh, forgive. You're not supposed to be angry. You're supposed to forgive, and you're hearing it here, but it's not somehow penetrating here. You're anxious. Well, God will supply all of your needs according to your riches and glory. I know that verse too, but something in here is not connecting with it. So there's something different than head and something different than soul. And he goes on, he says, why are you so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. So he tells us something here in the second half of this verse, which is that you don't have to be a slave to your own soul. 
you don't have to be a slave to what's going on in here. You know, the world culture has this uh, belief and this uh, entire uh, way of living that is to follow your heart, follow your feelings, follow your emotions. And yet that's certainly not what David's doing. David is looking at his own soul, his own heart, his own emotions, the stuff going on in here, and he's actually speaking to it and saying, I can see how you feel. I can see what's going on in there, but you're not in charge. Get up and go do this. Get up and praise the Lord. Get up and focus on something different. Get up and move ahead. This is my Savior and my God. He's speaking to his soul, so it's something that we can direct. Going to the Hebrew, talking about what is our soul, the actual word uh, means a living being. This is from the root words. It means a, a living being, life, self, a person, a desire, passion, appetite, emotion. The soul is this internal part that's like making up our feelings and our emotions and I, like our self. Like this is how I feel. I know that's what I'm supposed to think. I know that's what I'm supposed to say. I know that's what I'm supposed to do. But inside where everybody else can't see it, this is me going on right now. Like, this is the soul. This is what's happening in the Greek, uh, which is what the New Testament uses. The Old Testament uses the Hebrew. The New Testament uses the Greek. In the Bible, it says to breathe, to blow. And the English word psyche, now check, this is where we get psychology from. This word actually is where we get psychology. So, so when you're talking about, well, I think I've got something wrong psychologically, well, you probably do. <laughs> I think we probably all do. If you pay somebody enough an hour, they're going to find something wrong with you. I can tell you that right now. I take my car to the mechanic. I never left with them saying, great car. Okay? They're usually something wrong, right? Go to the chiropractor. It doesn't matter if somebody just suggested you 30 minutes ago. If you go to the next chiropractor two miles down and walk in, he's going to go, man, what'd you do to your back? Let me fix it. I just came out of one that fixed it, right? You go over there and they're going to fix it. So people like to find a problem, but psychologically, we all have something going on, but that's what this word comes from. It's a person's distinct identity, their unique personhood, their individual personality. It's what's going on. Who are you? That's what your soul, your soul is, is literally the, the who of who you are. It's what is going on deeper than what is on the outside. Another part of the word, the soul is the direct aftermath of God breathing his gift of life into a person, making them an ensouled being. So when God gives life, personhood to someone, then their soul comes to being. And so God gives you this and you can be involved in all types of things in people's lives and community and connection, all these things. And yet everybody knows you. And sometimes we can have all these people that know us. And yet we can still feel isolated or alone because nobody knows us. It's like, well, they don't really know me. I don't even know if I know me sometimes. <laughs> and we go through all of these things. And so I brought up uh, a couple of glasses here that I borrowed from my house. And do we have any milk drinkers here? Anybody that loves milk? I was never a milk drinker. Uh, Jason Tompkins, you're a milk drinker. I can see that right now. Um, do you think you could drink uh, four glasses of milk in under 30 seconds? How long would it take? You don't want the calories. You, th you could. Do we have someone that could set a timer? Okay. Come on up, Jason. If you can drink four glasses of milk in under 30 seconds, you get all of this cash. Come on up. Um, hey, don't, don't, even, don't even speculate on the amount or mock it, because this could be more than somebody here has in their pocket or in their bank account. And you have no idea. Okay, I got this milk here for you. You've got to fill it up first before the timer starts. 
You can stand. I'm going to pour before the timer starts, okay? Somebody Google this. See if poor guys the money's legit, and the milk is legit. This is um, Hill Country. Hill Country expires on November 7th. Verified good, right? I'm going to smell it. It's verified good. Okay. You're poor. There's one. Look, look. It's good and delicious milk. Delicious. Very good milk. I want them all before. This is good. This is November 7th expiration. You get a good tip with an apple. Why is it chunky? There's actual chunks. Yeah, I'm not drinking it. Wait, whoa. Nope. First of all, first of all, it's November 7th is the expiration. Can I verify that? Will you look? Kyle, what's the date? November 7th. November 7th. What's the date today? October? That's real money. Okay, put the money back. I'm going to take the money and run. <laughs> Jason, I'll, I'll give you the money for almost drinking it. First of all, that's not that big of a chunk. And this is, this is November 7th. Hey, I grew up poor. We did that all the time. Okay, November 7th. Do I have a stash? November 7th. You can't always tell from the outside, how something is on the inside, right? We can't. So look around the room. There's a lot of people that look unexpired. They look fantastic. They look great. Maybe you look in the mirror and you look great. Okay, but the question isn't how do you look? How do you present? How do you show up? How do you engage? The question is, actually, how is your soul? Like, if you get opened up, and you notice, it poured a little bit out. This one's actually pretty good. That one's not bad. This one's getting a little worse. But when you get really down deep, okay, that's when the chunks start coming out. Okay, and some of you, so I want you to reflect on, like, if, if you get poured out a little, like, I can show up at church on Sunday, and I can give... 10 minutes of conversation. I can show up at a community group even, and I can give, you know, an hour and a half of time and connect with people. But if I had to pour out much more and get too much more involved, all my chunks would start coming out. All the things would start coming out that are stuck underneath there, that nobody knows about, that I don't talk about, that nobody can see. This is the area, this is the part that really makes up our soul. It's not just the surface. It's if you were opened up and everything in you was poured out, what would be there? Because that's what God's after. 
God's not after the surface. He's not after the outside. He's after the inside. He's after the whole thing. This is 1 Samuel 16, 7. For the Lord sees not, but God, the Lord, looks where? At the heart, the soul, at your inner being. That's where he's looking. He wants to see all the way inside. What's it look like in there? Because God sees it. Because God knows. And that doesn't mean, oh, you're a terrible sinner and God sees your sin. He certainly sees that. You're not hiding that from him. You might be able to hide it in a, in a private web browser or hide it on a, on a burner phone or hide it. So you might be able to hide it somewhere. God sees it. But I'm not even just talking about that. I'm talking about weariness, tiredness, loneliness, grief, all the things that can go on underneath. God is looking at all of those. He looks at the heart, like what's really happening in you? Third John 1, verse 2, it says, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you. Check this out. Even as your soul is getting along well. Another translation says that you would prosper even as your soul prospers. I like this translation, that your soul's getting along well. Because prosperity, we still culturally were trained to interpret prosperity as an outward thing. How's the car? How's the house? How's the grass? How's your clothes? But how are you getting along on the inside? How's your day-to-day? How is it in the morning when you wake up? How is it at night when you put your head on your pillow and you're trying to go to sleep? What thoughts are racing in your head? Like, what's going on? What's happening in there? That's what God wants to prosper. He wants it all to go and to move along and to be doing well, not to be worn out. Matthew 16, 26, what good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, to gain everything? That's not just money, but the whole world, everything it has to offer. Even community and fellowship. Do you know what? Even church. Man, I got a great church. Great, so do I. But you can have a great church Great family, great community, great friends, great job, and somehow still have a place where your soul is unsettled. Your soul is soured. Your soul is wearing out. Your soul is wearing down. In Revelations, it talks about this, and it talks about the church at Ephesus. He says, you've done all these great things, amazing things. He's talking to this church and just giving them all this praise for all the great things they've done. So they're doing everything. I mean, they're doing the things. I mean, their worship nights probably was awesome. They were giving out food to the poor. I mean, you look, oh, that's awesome. They probably were doing conferences, teaching other people how to do what they do because it was just amazing because he's just heaping praise on them. But then he says, but I have one thing against you, that you've lost your first love. Something inside, inside the soul was wrong, not on the outside, but something in here wasn't going right. And that's what he's talking about. And it says, who could gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Like there's something more, there's something deeper. The one thing that really, really, really matters is inside. And so Proverbs 4.23, I think this is one of the ways that we have to look at protecting our soul. It says, guard your heart, which is the same meaning as soul, it's your inside, with all diligence for out of it spring the issues of life. Guard your heart. It doesn't say that God will guard it. That's not what it says. It's actually an instruction to us as individual people to guard our heart. 
Well, I do that. I don't let anybody close. Anybody have that? I, I, don't do, I don't let anybody close. I'm a great guard. Okay, a guard is not someone that keeps everybody out. That's not a guard. By definition, that's not a guard. That's not a guard's job. A guard's job is not to guard the door and make sure that nobody gets through. If you're a football fan, a guard, an offensive lineman, a guard, their job is not just to keep the defense from coming through. A guard has two roles. One is it keeps some out, but it also is supposed to have the aspect of keeping the right people coming through. That's what a guard does. Otherwise, you just wouldn't have a door. Right? I don't want anybody coming in. No door. But a guard actually keeps an opening and allows certain things in and allows certain things out. Okay, in football, the guard keeps the defense out, away from the quarterback, but opens up and does what? Let's the running back through. There's a dual role. A guard has two roles that it's supposed to do. And so when we talk about that in our own heart, how do you guard your own heart? Is that you're allowing things into your soul, into your heart, into your person, into your psyche, into your being that are good, and you're keeping out things that are harmful or that are bad. And then you're also allowing things to pass out that are good, right? And keeping yourself from somebody that's passing out things that are bad. This is an active role. This is an, something you're actively participating in and doing. And so if you think about your own life and you're playing a guard for your own heart, are there things in your life going on where the door is open to allow things in that maybe shouldn't be coming in? They say, man, my soul isn't feeling very good. Well, we can pray for our soul to do better, but if we continue to open the door and allow things to come in that are damaging to our soul, all the prayer for our soul to be better isn't going to do us a whole lot of good because the, actually the responsibility here God puts back on our shoulders. Guard your heart. Lord, I'm praying. I don't understand. How's your heart? How's your door? What are you guarding? What are you letting in? What are you well, a lot of bad stuff, but I'm just trusting that you're going to help me. He puts some of the responsibility back on us saying, you know what, you watch the door. And we have the ability to allow in good and to choose what's coming into our heart. And it says, for out of it spring the issues of life. In other words, what is happening here begins to come out. The Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, what? The mouth speaks, right? Our heart and our soul begin to dictate the things that we do, the things that we say, things are going to say, I don't understand why all these things keep happening. Well, the issues of life are springing from the heart. They're springing out of here. They're springing out of what's going on. One of the keys to guarding our heart, I think, is found in Romans chapter 1. It says, For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile. Their, hearts, uh, their foolish hearts were darkened. And although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal human beings and birds and animals and reptiles. I'm going to stop there for just a second. Is it in claiming they didn't want to glorify God or give God things? They wanted to be wise, do things their own way. And so what? They worship everything but God. I'll worship nature. I'll worship, uh, I'll worship this. I'll worship that. I'll worship myself. I'll worship this person that I put all my trust and my hope in, that I look up to. Like, I'll worship all these things, but I don't want to glorify God or give him thanks. I'll even worship myself. 
worship all these different things. And we see that in our culture. Everything is worshiped. People don't want to worship God. We oftentimes do that ourselves. It says, therefore, God gave them over in their sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie, and they worshiped and served. And tell me this doesn't sound like our, like our culture. Worship and served created things rather than the creator. Worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who has forever praised, amen. And you don't have to look out to Hollywood or you don't have to look out to any other area or movement or anything else. It's as simple as, you know, the top selling almost every year, like the top selling books, videos, seminars, conferences are self-help. Because we all know we don't need God's help. We just need self-help. If I could just help myself, just give me a book on how to help myself. What is that doing? That is worshiping the created thing rather than the creator. Does that mean you shouldn't have self-help? No. I read some books that are great encouragements about self-discipline, about how to be a better person, about all these things. But ultimately, those are some skills. But I need God working in my heart and in my life and in my mind and in my soul and in my spirit to help me to move out of my self and my self-worship, and my self-help, and my self-praise, my self-dependence, and I move myself forward into things that God would have me to do, and the way that he'd want me to live, and how he'd want me to be. But this is what I think is a key to guarding your soul. It's at the very top of this passage. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him, nor gave thanks to him. Nor gave thanks. I think that a lack of of thanksgiving. I want to say this separate. I don't necessarily think a lack of gratitude. I think a lack of thanksgiving. A lack of giving thanks. Has anybody been to a funeral in the last year? Anybody? Isn't it amazing how they talk about people? This person was amazing. They're like, weren't they abusive? Weren't they a drunk? Weren't they... Man, they were such a blessing, and they just loved people well, and I really looked up to them, and they made a positive impact. Everybody gets up and shares something good. Maybe if some of those people had shared the good they saw in the person while they were still here, maybe it would have helped them come up out of the alcoholism or come out of the struggle that they were in or come out of the depression or come out of the things and find some forgiveness and some healing and reconciliation and move forward. But it wasn't the lack of necessarily seeing or thinking some of those things about somebody, but it was a lack of expressing them. It's the expression. It's the giving of thanks. It's the actual, I'll take it out of my heart. I'm going to speak it. I'm going to say it. I'm going to show it. I'm going to do something with it. When we can actually thank God, not just think, oh, I know God's good. But there's something that happens when we express and we communicate about who God is and about his glory, and about the goodness of God and the thankfulness we have for the things in our life that sets up a guard in our life. Because if you read this passage, it starts out there. They didn't glorify him. They didn't give. It's like a guardrail on a highway, right? We take the guardrail of gratitude and glory down, of thankfulness to God, of giving him thanks, of honoring who he is, of letting it be in your heart. And the reason I would separate gratitude and thanksgiving is out of the abundance of heart the mouth speaks. If you have something truly in your heart that you're thinking about meditating on, the goodness of God and the gratefulness for God, it will at some point escape out of your mouth, whether you want it to or not. 
Just like those accidental, accidental uh, colorful words that come out of your mouth when you're in traffic. I didn't mean to, but I was just thinking about it. And I blurted it out. Well, if you're meditating on thinking on the goodness of God and the gratitude that you have for him and the glory of God, it's going to escape out of your mouth. But when that doesn't happen, when it's not coming out of the mouth, which means the heart isn't full of it, and so now it's not coming out of the mouth, everything else goes off. So if you're on that road and you're coming around the corner and there's no guardrail, there's no thanksgiving, there's no glory to God, there's no gratitude, you come around the road, all of a sudden where the car goes whoo, right over the top. And that's what happens here, is they lost the gratitude, they lost the thankfulness, they lost the gloriness of God, they lost speaking about those things and talking about communicating and walking in those things, and the next thing you know, the whole life is going down, and they're looking for someone to worship because we're designed and made to worship, and so begin to worship ourselves. And life doesn't get better when we do that. Giving thanks... Uh, This is where the word comes. If you guys know, if you're from a traditional background, you know the word Eucharist, which is uh, also, you know, relates to communion, you know, having the elements, the body, the blood, and sharing in communion and fellowship. Uh, This is where uh, this give thanks comes from. It actually comes from the same word, Eucharisto, and it's acknowledging that God's grace works well. That's what it means. The giving thanks isn't just thanking God for things. God, I thank you that you gave me this. I thank you that I got my way. I thank you that I prayed and you answered me. That's not what it's talking about. God does that, and we can be thankful for that, but it's actually putting ourselves in a position to where we're thanking God and we're saying that God's grace works well, that God's grace is doing good things. That's why you can give thanks in any circumstance, because even though I'm going through this, God's grace is working well. God's grace is working in me. God's grace is working in the situation. And it's working for our eternal gain and his glory. Literally, it's to be thankful for God's good grace. And this is a hard situation, but Lord, I'm thankful. When you take that away, thinking about this, if I take that away, okay, I can, my insides can be good. But if I remove from my heart a meditation and a thought on the idea that God's grace is always working for good, God is always at work in my life and in my heart and my situation for something good. If I pull that out for very long, there's enough circumstances going on in day-to-day life. It doesn't take long for things to spoil. I mean, think it's Texas. If I, take a, if I buy this milk at H-E-B and my house is more than 15 minutes away, it's probably spoiled by the time I get home in the summer. Like, I got to put it up in the dash, turn the AC on, and just hope to get home before my milk goes bad. I don't even buy ice cream in Texas in the summer. I only buy it in the winter. Because if I buy it in the summer, my house is like nine minutes from H-E-B. And ice cream is only good for about four and a half minutes in Texas. So if I want to buy, sometimes I'll buy a milkshake. I grab a gallon of ice cream. I get home. I just take a straw in it. and I drink it. I will do that. But that's Texas. The world is way hotter than Texas. And if we just pull out this meditation and this reflection, this realization of that God is working his good, his grace is sufficient, his strength is perfect in my weakness, God is doing something good. If we just pull that out of, our, out of our situation, even for a little while, how quickly the inside starts to spoil. And so we're designed and made to continually have this reflection. It's why Paul says to what? Pray without ceasing. 
Not just praying for things, but praying, putting our heart and our mind in a posture and to always give thanks and to always rejoice. What he's talking about is to continually put our heart and our mind on the goodness of God because it might not be something that's happened right now at this moment at 11 a.m. or 11.30 a.m. on a Sunday morning. It's been a good day so far, but sometime between now and the sun going down, probably every person in this room is going to have a reason to say, boy, I just feel like I'm getting spoiled today, like my heart's just turned, like this is bad. Stuff just happens. Or it happens to someone else who then tells it to us. We're like, I was just trying to have a nice day, and then you had to tell me about your day. <laughs> Thank you for sharing. Thank you for, for trusting me enough with all of your insights. How about you just be a surface friend for a while? Just tell me how good things are. But something is out to spoil. Something is out to come. And I think it's beyond gratitude. This is what it means. It actually means to acknowledge God's good grace and work in our lives by expressing it and by, by giving thanks. What does give mean? If I, was to give, if I was to give you this money right here. Here, you can have it. I'm going to give it to you. Go ahead. You, it's yours. It's yours. Right Right, to give, I've got to do what? I've got to pass it out. I've got to let go. It means it has to transfer from me somewhere else. So to give thanks, this is not a heart issue of just, it's in my heart. You can't just give thanks in your own heart. You can be grateful. You can even be thankful. But to give thanks means that you have to actually pull it up and then spit it out. Right? I, Ladies, would you prefer that your man thinks you have a nice dress on tonight, or would you prefer that he actually tells you that you look great in the dress? Well, but I compliment her in my heart all the time. Well, if that worked, we wouldn't have so many marriage counseling sessions. It doesn't work. It's got to come out of the mouth and be said, right? If you have a job and you're doing a great job, right, and you've been there 10 years, your boss has never, ever acknowledged or appreciated that you do a good job, how do you feel? Pretty lousy. You want your boss to come by and go, man, you're doing a great job. I love how you do that. And to actually give the thanks, give the appreciation, give it away. And so this is what helps to keep our soul for us, to keep our soul alive, is that we give gratitude, that we give glory to God. Uh, this is 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18. It says, uh, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks. Right? It's talking about the same thing. Having this acknowledgement that God's grace is working well. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Are you seeking for God's will in your life? It starts right there. That's where it starts. Man, I need God's vision and purpose. Are you doing this vision and purpose? Because why would he give you more if we're not doing this? Why would he give me more if I'm not doing this? I gotta start here. Lord, thank you. God, your grace is working. God, you are sufficient. Lord, what you're doing in my life is good. You're working this out. He wants our soul to prosper, but we've got to get into a place where our heart is really focused on the thankfulness and on the gratitude. And it doesn't come later when life gets better. Well, as soon as some things go better. Because it's a way of living. It says in all circumstances. Why? Because when circumstances get better, if you don't already have a heart that wants to give God thanks, when circumstances get better, you're not going to have a heart that wants to give thanks then either. You're just going to look to the next thing that God needs to do or the next prayer that he needs to answer or the next worry that you didn't think about back then. 
And so it's a choice that we have to guard our heart and to allow our thoughts to rest on the good things of God and to think about those things and to keep our heart from spoiling, to keep our heart from being worn out or weary, to keep our soul in a good place. So that then out of that, the issues of life that spring out are full of the goodness of God, full of the great. Why? Because they've been being meditated on down here. They're good. When life tips me over, then the good comes out. Why? Because that's what's being built up in here and meditated on and giving thanks on. I want to put this QR code up. I want to put a practical application on this one. So I want to invite anyone that wants to do it. Now, here's the thing. You will get kicked out of this group. So this is not everybody sign up. Because I'm going to actively, myself, I'm going to be booting people out. So this is, if you're joining this group uh, and, and doing this challenge, then you're actually doing the challenge. If you're not, you're going to get removed. You can start, but you won't finish because I'll pull you. Is that I'm looking for people that want to do a 30-day challenge with me. Okay, and that challenge okay, is going to start at the beginning of November, 1st of November. And so it's going to be, and there's a group on there. If you scan that, it'll take you to the group. And it's 30-30 challenge, which means 30 minutes a day. 30 minutes a day times 30 days of giving thanks to God. Not just feeling it, giving thanks. You can journal it, you can speak it, you can do whatever, but you're spending time giving thanks to God. You can go 10 minutes in the morning, 10 minutes at lunch, 10 minutes at night. You can go 30 minutes in the morning. It doesn't matter. You can go one minute at a time, 30 times in a row. Try that. However you want to break it down, but 30 minutes for 30 days, not prayer, not Lord, these are my needs, giving thanks. I want to challenge some people to join me and to do that so that God can work on refreshing and building up your soul. If you're like, I have nothing to be thankful for, I'm discouraged, then you're a perfect candidate to get your soul stirred up and to bring the goodness of God in there. It says that thanksgiving and praise do what? They bring us into his presence, right? We enter with thanksgiving and with praise. You draw closer to God through thanksgiving and you begin to feel his presence in your life and everything begins to move forward and to, and to go up. So what we'll do on this group is that you give thanks, you do your thing throughout the day, and whenever, this is how you can get kicked out, okay? Is that sometime that day, when you're done, if it's in the morning or at night, whenever you're done, you have to go into that group on the app and you have to comment that you're done. You could put a check mark, a thumbs up, you could write a five, you know, paragraph Statement on grant, I don't care what you do, but something that acknowledges that I'm in the group and I did this today. I'm in the group and I did this today. I'm in the group and I did this today. However you want to acknowledge that. But if you go a couple days and you're not acknowledging it, then you're going to get pulled out. Because it's not to watch other people give thanks, but it's to encourage each other to give thanks and to give gratitude and to do that. Got it? Anybody on board for that? Some people that want to do that? Is it working, Kyle? Okay, well, we'll repost it again. I, it's working for some, not for others. I don't know why. Maybe there's some Android users in here. Sorry for you guys. <laughs> Pray over you. Um, whatever the cause is, I'll put the link on the, in the church app under the All Church chat. I'll just put the direct link. You can click on it. Okay, but I would challenge you to do that, to refresh your soul, to build up your soul. And it's 30 minutes, 10, 10, 10. could be however you want to break it down. It doesn't matter. But to get in and to do this together because God deserves our glory and our praise given to him. And when we do, it aligns our life to a healthy thing. Think of it as like fat burning for the soul. You can do a 30-minute cardio workout. How about a 30-minute Thanksgiving workout? 
and burn off some of the negativity, some of the discouragement, some of the depression, some of just the, the grime and the fat and the grossness that comes on in life by just saying, you know what, Lord, I'm going to give you thanks. I got a whole giant thing of prayer requests and needs and catastrophes going on, but you know what, I'm putting them all aside because right now, Lord, I'm just giving you thanks. Because despite all that, I'm still here and you're still good and you're still working in my life. Amen? All right, let's bow our heads. Father, I just pray, Lord, that you would be with us, Lord, as a church, God, in our lives, in our day-to-day. Lord, I pray that there would just be a, um, God, just a refreshment of soul, a refreshment of spirit, Lord, that people are weary or, or worn out or, or have gotten their hearts, Lord, in any way, uh, Lord, just uh, desensitized to how amazing you are. Lord, if they've lost their first love, God, if it's begin to, to spoil, if anything's going on there, Lord, any type of offense, bitterness, hurt, pain, weariness, Lord, discouragement of any kind. God, I pray, Lord, that you would draw people into a a spirit of thanksgiving and of gratitude. Lord, help us to do this, Lord, as a a discipline, Lord, to speak to our own soul. Lord, why are you downcast? Get up. We will praise the Lord. God, that we will speak to our own heart. Lord, that we will speak to our own psyche. And Lord, we will begin to lead ourselves into thanksgiving. Or lead ourselves into giving you glory. Lead ourselves into that gratitude, God, that you would receive the praise and the honor that you do. Lord, that it would draw us into your presence, Lord, that we would experience deeper and more intimate relationship with you. Father, I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, we also, we're ending now, we also down the hallway have snacks and stuff like that. Or if you're a milk drinker, I have four glasses. Uh, you're welcome to come and join me uh, to drink that down. Uh, but you guys have a great week, and uh, whether you join the challenge or not, I encourage you to spend some time just giving God thanks and, and putting your focus on his goodness. Take the next step and visit www.thebeatchurch.com and get connected with a community committed to applying these truths in their everyday lives. You can also give now to support our messages by visiting www.thebeatchurch.com give.